Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author Sports where every great conversation happens. Tonight we are extremely excited to talk to Claudia Long. How are you doing, Claudia? I'm doing just great. I'm really super excited to be on this show. Thank you for sharing your wonderful book with us tonight and your author career of which I've had the pleasure of going in and diving a little deep and learning so much about you and what you do in the author world. And before we get to chitter chatting, like we always do here on the porch with our favorite drink, and show everybody your mug. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was okay. complimenting it. I was like, oh, I like that mug. <laughs> it is so cute. Yeah, and I've got my one, which is just my sunshine cup. You know. Um, so we sit on the porch. We have a good drink, a few laughs, a great conversation, and learn about the next best fantastic author that everyone is going to be reading. So guys, Claudia Long is the author of quite a few books, if Mm -hmm. I might add. So some are in her trilogy uh, that is set in colonial Mexico from the 1690s to 1753s. She has a book that is in set in women of the labor movement, 1920 San Francisco. And one which I really loved the that you said two sisters, their mother, and a Nazi thief. I was like, that is so cool. That those are not the titles of her books, but because she loves writing about history and parts of history, some very fantastical moments within history. And then now, when she's not twisting her tales for her readers to escape <laughs> in, she's an attorney by day in Northern California. But tonight. We're going to talk about her latest book, Our Our Lying Kin, which tells a human haunting a human and haunting and raw raw licking story <laughs> about the what the pandemic does has done to people and the power of family. Now it's a fiction tale. Mm-hmm. So but it's fascinating. So Claudia, thank you for being here. Um, we're going to have a great time. <laughs> I think so. I, I, um, I'm, I'm excited. It's the evening where you are, and it's afternoon where I am here in California. And yeah. so I'm just spending my afternoon sitting on the porch with you, which is kind of cool. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I always said that the best conversations happened on the front porch because you just, you're without all of the electronics usually, even though we do this virtually, oh. <laughs> you turn everything off and you have that cool breeze. And I know in California, you guys always have a cool breeze somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Although where I'm living now up at the, the top of Napa Valley, oh. you know, it gets hotter, colder, wetter, and drier than in San Francisco. So, you know, we're, 
it's a little bit of it can get a little extreme over here oh uh, my goodness so you go from being an attorney it's like switching out of your superhero cape which is your writer world right because mm -hmm. you know every writer is a superhero and then you put on your your suit and you go into your attorney world how is that work for you how do you go between the two well it's funny you know i've been writing for a long time and i've been a lawyer for even longer so you know yeah don't do the math just don't do the math okay <laughs> but uh you know i've been i've been practicing law for over 40 years and um i actually love my work believe it or not i love the work i do as a lawyer because i'm essentially a peacemaker i bring, um, I mediate disputes between employers and employees, buyers and sellers of real estate, people breaking up a, a business. And I try to find the peaceful path. But while I'm doing that, storytelling is very important because I need to listen more than just superficially, but deeply to the, the disputing clients as they tell their stories. And then I get to tell them a few stories here and there myself. So I, practicing law is quite a bit of storytelling as well. Yeah. It, then do you take what, not the stories from the conflict resolution portion of your daytime job, but do you utilize that storytelling ability in your writing? Hmm. Well, you know, obviously when I write books, I'm telling stories. And, but I, the cases, oddly enough, are not that interesting <laughs> in the sense that, you know, <laughs> fiction is larger than life, right? And yeah. so the, the quarrels people have are small, not small, but and they're vital to them, but they're encapsulated. And yeah, sometimes you get a little nugget that I steal, you know, yeah. but truly, you know, in fiction, we try to make it more of a universal story, a story that you can relate to and somebody else can relate to and have coming from very different lives. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a grain of, of some of the things that I've come across, but for the most part, it is quite enlarged in my fiction. Right. Now you said that you've been writing for quite a long time. When did you start writing? Um, if I tell you the truth, um, <laughs> about, does it have to be a year? It could be okay, about, what, about, yeah. about 30 years ago. Um, okay. Actually, probably longer. Um, my daughter was about six months old and I was home with her mm -hmm. and I started trying to write and didn't work out. And then I wrote some, um, Oh, what do we call What's the polite word for this? Uh, women's erotic fiction. Let's go with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wrote that that sells quite well, by the way, just so you it know, does. it yeah. does. I tried my hand at it. So it's pretty fun, but it, as it yeah, and as a lawyer, of course, I had to write under a pen name. And um, <laughs> no, I won't tell you what my pen name is. <laughs> we want the inside scoop, Claudia. <laughs> and then I, one day, I said to myself, you know, I want to write something 
seriously good. And that's when I started writing Josefina's Sin, which is the first in the trilogy that takes place in colonial Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I think I started that in 2009 because it came out in 2011. Wow. Yeah, so that's a while. Yeah, that's fascinating. Did you know from a small child that I always like to ask people, you know, growing up, what did you want to be? But did you know that writing was your niche or did you know that you wanted to be in the lawyer in the legal world? No, neither. Um, neither. I, wa I wanted to have a store. <laughs> I still like to have a store one day, but I wanted to have a little store. And I, um, I grew up in Mexico City and I wanted to have a little Lupita that's like a little corner store, Yeah, you know? And um, to me, having a store where people would come in and I would talk to them and they would talk to me and I would have my, my little shop goods, yes. just always seemed like the best way to live. And so I think the only part I got to keep was people talk to me and I talked to them Yes, and, you know, but I, I didn't end up being a storekeeper. You know, there's still time. There's Maybe you'll have a bookstore. I'd love to have, I have 1,800 books in storage. So, oh you know, maybe I should have a used bookstore. What do you think of that? You already have a bookstore. It's just a matter <laughs> of if it's open to the public or not. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so I live down here on the border of Mexico in Brownsville. Okay. I've been to Brownsville. Is, uh, where, where Matamoros is. Yes. And, um, I want to have, I call it a community coffee shop because it's not a coffee shop that is where you see all the businesses. I want to open up a coffee shop right here on the corner inside of a neighborhood. Where, and it's only going to have two little tables where a couple people come and have coffee but there's books everywhere. So I that's what I want to have is well, I can be your like supply. I can be your book supplier because <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get having that shop because growing up, those conversations, and that's why the porch is so important and mm -hmm. talking to people on podcasts, it just those those intimate conversations, learning about people and cracking up and finding those those connectors, right? Like you wanted to have a shop. I want to have a shop one day, those connectors. Yeah. And I think books do that. They do. They definitely right. do that. No, I think now you're you, right. You talk about family in your new book which mm -hmm. is a huge connector. And why, why did you pick that subject or did that sub, did this book pick you? Mm. That's an interesting, interesting thought. Um, Our Lion Kin is the second in what I've started as a series. And the first is nine tenths of the law. And here's that. Okay. That's a law. okay. Okay. Yeah. I saw and, that. Yeah. And that is, that's the uh, two sisters, their mother and a Nazi thief. And those are two sisters, daughters of a Holocaust survivor who see a menorah in a museum. And one of the sisters, Zara, remembers a conversation with her mother from so long ago that where her mother had said, I had one just like that. And so their quest is throughout this book to 
find it again. And when while they are doing that, of course, they end up in some deep trouble, one thing or the other. Yeah. And those are sisters and their mother. And then after nine-tenths of the law came out right into the pandemic, it came out in April 2020. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I started to write the next book about these two sisters because I wasn't done with them. Mm. And I started to write our Lion Kin. And our Lion Kin is again Zara and Lily, but now they've been away from one another. And when they come back together, it's the there's a barrier because the isolation has made them more of themselves. More the worst of themselves in a way. Mm. And Lily has become, well, Lily's always been kind of a free, free floating out there, gregarious. And, you know, maybe her relationship with the truth wasn't quite as tight as Zara would like. Yeah. And Zara's always been, Zara's a lawyer. So, you know, <laughs> she's a little more square cornered and judgmental and the pandemic has made her very judgmental especially of lily because i don't know if you found this but i think we judge most harshly the people we're closest to yes uh, you know and so zara and lily come back together and they are having some real problems connecting and they're angry with each other they resent Lily resents Zara's judgmentalness. Zara resents Lily's kind of running fast and loose with the law, you know, not paying attention. And they get angry at one another. And in a way, part of the story of our lying kin is bringing them back to one another. Mm -hmm. But the other part is that Lily has been looking looking for trouble and looking at their family histories and discovering things that are very, very troubling about mm. their past, about their father, about what he did to preserve his legacy. And so our lying kin, it's got a few layers of family and lies and discoveries and some really shocking things as they work through this. It sounds like it. It sounds very layered. And I love that these, it sounds like these two girls have really captivated your heart and you, you, you're compelled to continue to write about things that they're experiencing in their lives. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think I'm, I don't think I'm done with them yet. I think there, there, there's going to be a third Zara and Lily at least. And, um, you know, these are adult women. These are women, mature women, 59 and 60. But, you know, that's part of, they have a deep life. You yeah. know, we, we've lived, we've lived and experienced. Yeah. And so learning about, their past and their parents past and their grandparents past it's it's quite quite a quite a story and it makes the layers very effortless i guess you would say when they have a life 
yes to talk about um i love characters that have depth and that have life behind them as well because i can feel the the years that they've lived have a story to tell mm -hmm. uh do you are any of your characters after somebody you know or is it a culmination of multiple personalities well it, some things are taken directly from life for example in nine tenths of the law after my mom passed away my dad sat down with me and said i want you to tell your mother's story because she was a holocaust survivor Oh, wow. And I said, Dad, I can't tell her story because it's hers, but I can tell the story of her. And so in nine tenths of the law, there are two sisters. I have a real life sister, but she's, you know, she's certainly a, a very together person, unlike Lily. <laughs> I mean, but, um, and I have the two sisters as daughters of the Holocaust survivor telling, interweaving their mother's story. And so parts of Aurora's story in nine tenths of the law are based on my mother's story of surviving the Holocaust herself. But, and in our lying kin, it's less so. It's much more inspired by, you know, as opposed yeah. to, taking things that are directly true. But in a sense, if you think about it, the father in our line kid was born during a time during in 1927 or so, as my own father was. So I took that as truth. And for them, the only, um, how do we say this? The only outlet they had for their emotions having grown up for them in the John Wayne era, where they were expected to be manly and strong all the time, mm -hmm. was through anger. Mm -hmm. And so the father in our lying kin is unfaithful. He has some pretty intense secrets, and he's a very, very angry man. I thought my own father was a delight. So, <laughs> yeah. but I took his era. Yeah. You know what I mean? And looked at what it would be like to grow up as a man in those times with so many pressures. And he too, you know, he came from, he was a child of immigrants and had his own stories that he couldn't tell. So I wove those into our line kin. I love learning about the personality traits, the the different things from a person's life that they weave into their story to make it uniquely that individual story. Yeah. It's fascinating because there's so many aspects of human life that bring a fiction story to its fruition. Um, some people say pure imagination, which, could be true, but I think some of the deeper stories that feel so vivid and that we connect to the most have points of origin, I like to say. 
Yeah, I think that that's a great, I'm going to steal your phrase and say the points of origin. I love that. Um, you know, I think the stories come from our imagination, but the yeah. emotions mm. come from the depth and the point of origin uh, of our of our lives, of our experience, yeah. and not just not just lived experience, although that's part of it, but learned experience. Yeah. Because if you read widely, I think that's one of the reasons that they say that reading gives you empathy, because you learn, you you feel what other people feel, and you learn to respect their emotions. And I think that's one of the reasons that fiction is so important is it brings us empathy for emotions and experiences that we perhaps haven't had ourselves for the most part. I mean, yeah. I've never caught a murderer. <laughs> right, you know? right. But I sure do love reading books. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and I, and you say your mother, you know, God rest her soul. It is a, um, was a Holocaust survivor and I've never experienced that or been around anybody. Um, I was, station in Germany and I went to Amsterdam and I saw in Frank's house which was a lifelong dream of mine because every when I was a young girl I read her book Diary of a Young Girl and every year I read it because it's mm. my favorite book of all time but and I've never experienced anything like that but by reading that I can empathize I can feel the struggle and the heartache and some of those things. So I think that you're absolutely right. Fiction and even nonfiction, I think by reading stories of things that you haven't personally experienced, you be can become part of that situation in your heart and you can be there and experience it in your mind. And I think that's the glory of reading. And you say you have was it 18,000 or 1,800? How many books was it? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a big storage unit. Um, <laughs> what happened is we downsized. Uh -huh. And I had this huge library. And so yeah. I, I managed to fit about 350, 400 now, books into my new little house, downsized. Yeah. But I have 1,800 books wow. sitting in my storage unit. At first, we tried to sneak them into the library donations, and yeah. they, after a while, they caught us and they said, um, "Mr. and Mrs. Long, could you stop donating books, please?" <laughs> That's too funny. But if I went perusing through those books, what would I find? What would Claudia Long's library tell me about Claudia Long? Well, you'd probably think, my goodness, she reads everything, doesn't she? She's <laughs> <laughs> completely indiscriminate, it seems. Yeah. I've got, um, I love, first of all, I love mysteries, okay? Mm -hmm. And I read them like M&Ms, you know what I mean? It's my, almost my, my guilty pleasure, you know? And so I have tons and tons of mysteries, all sorts, um, historical mysteries, um, contemporary mysteries, just about everything you can think of. And then I have books in other languages because I love to read in Spanish. I also read in French. So I have books in French. I have books in Spanish. I have art books. I have, um, uh, let's see, I have occasional science books, but 
not because I have I know absolutely nothing about science. And sometimes I would get curious about something. So I'd buy a science book and I would try to read it. And um, and you'll see that I have curiosities about um, magic and tarot cards and um, oh gosh, what else do we have in there? I just and my and my husband is uh, a poet. In, wow. in addition to being a lawyer, so we have enormous collection of poetry books, and um, but those aren't in the storage unit. Those got made it into the house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, just the range is unbelievable. So it, it would say that Claudia is well versed <laughs> across many different disciplines. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> You're a world reader. That's what it would say. That's, it. that's and I love that because. Oops, I keep hitting my mic. Sorry about that. What I, I think a lot of people don't realize is reading, being diverse in your reading helps you become very diverse in your writing as well mm -hmm. as an author. Um, and it makes your writing just come alive more on the page hmm. as well. So I, I find it very fascinating. And I think people are really going to enjoy your writing. It, it tells I, I, a lot about writers. I hope so. Um, the other thing I have a lot of, I have about a hundred cookbooks. Yeah, right. Is that you know? I love to cook. I just adore it. But I, I, my mother used to say, um, "I'm not a kitchen patriot. I cook everything." And so, in other words, she wouldn't just cook her own kind of you know food that she grew up with, uh -huh. but rather all worldwide world a world cook she you know she was yeah. and so i too love to cook cuisines from all over the world and one of the things that you'll find in my books is there's a ton, there there's food people are eating all the time but it's not i don't know if you've read books where you feel like the food or the the recipes are shoehorned in mm. this is more yeah. um it just happens because everybody needs to eat yeah. And so Zara loves to cook and she thinks Lily's the worst cook in the world. So she's <laughs> always saying, oh, no, 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 let me do this. You're doing it wrong because she's very judgmental. Yeah. And she'll start to say, no, you see, you need to whip the egg whites like this and you need to do this and you need to do that. And it all gets into the book. And by the end, I'm hungry reading it. I'm hungry writing it, you know. That so. is so cool. You know, it's funny because you talk about cookbooks. When I was stationed in England, I started collecting, I started collecting cookbooks. And at that point, I loved to cook and try new things. And most of it turned out horrible because I'm the world's <laughs> most horrible cook. So and then when I married my husband years later, and I would cook for him, I thought I was doing okay. Well, come to find out, he finally told me, if I eat another casserole, I'm going to puke. I can't take any more casseroles. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, so we, I don't cook anymore. Thank God. Um, my husband is the cook and he cooks marvelously. So I gave away my large collection of cookbooks because they were not any use to me. And he does not use recipes. He, ah. he, I always ask him, what did, what did you put in here? It's so good. And he tells me, hocus pocus. <laughs> I, in the beginning of our marriage, which going on, I think, 11 years now, it would 
it wouldn't aggravate me because I'm like, no, I want to learn. I want to learn. But now I'm like, I don't care as long as it's good food. But one cookbook that survived was one that was put together by all the mothers of school that my kids went to in England. And I, I love it because it's, it's fascinating. All the different meals from all the different places. Yeah. And cooking is another great connector. Like a porch is a great connector. Having conversations is a great connector. Food connects people all around the world the same way books do. Yeah. And I, I just find it fascinating. And my sister, you talk about sisters in your book. My sister's coming in a couple of weeks and she's the cook. Mm. Like she can cook anything. So I told her she can cook while she's here if she wants to. Well, there you go. It's sort of like <laughs> Zara and Lily <laughs> where only one will cook. Um, one of, you know, since you bring that up, um, one of the um, most cherished cookbooks I have is um, uh, my husband's mother was from Arkansas. And when we went to um, lay her to rest, uh, they, there was a very small church in the town that she'd grown up. And they gave us a meal afterwards in the church, even though we were not from there anymore because she had grown up there. And they had a cookbook of the ladies of that church from Humphrey, Arkansas. Oh. And I got that cookbook and I cherish it. It's not because I want to make all that food all the time, yeah. because they gave us such love, yeah. even though... I am certainly not of that church. And it, it was so warm and welcoming. And that food reminds me and connects me to them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And your books will be more homey, a, a place where people can read and feel like home because of the things that you put into them from the books that you have read, the books that you have kept through the years and the experiences that you've lived in your life. And that's something that you're not going to be able to search online and find. Right. I don't think AI, AI is going to be writing with that kind of emotional that is depth. True. <laughs> that is true because it's not online. And I find I, I utilize AI a lot for a lot of different things. And, and instead of going and searching through multiple websites to research a certain mm -hmm. topic, mm -hmm. I'll use right. AI and be like, just find it for me really quick. But they can't put that what what you got from that church, that feeling, that emotion, that connector, they can't put, nobody can. You had to have experienced it. And that's the beauty of books like yours is getting that put into it. And, and I love that. And I've had an absolute wonderful time. And we've got a great comment here. Um, very loving and empathetic down in the South. It's a tradition to do that for families that lose a loved one. I love the South. I absolutely love the South. It doesn't say the name of the person, but we'll be able to see it when we go back in. Cause I always go back in after the show and look and try to see because StreamYard doesn't always tell us who the person is, but the Southern part of the United States and even in the, in the East coast and even in just different parts are very connecting with, with people. And I, I love that. 
So I want to know, our Lion Kin is out now, correct, Claudio? It is. It's available okay. everywhere. Do you have it with you? We saw it on your mug, but do you have the book? Yay. <laughs> so everybody can go get that. And that's published through Cassava Press. Am I Kas correct? Cassava Press. Cassava. Okay. Yes. Awesome. I had another author on um, Sam Wise. She was from the same publisher, okay. which is amazing. I love having uh, people on from the same publisher. They're doing good work over there. And what is your next big project after, now that this one's out? After, um, well, right now I'm very busy um, talking about my book, but the next one, I don't have a title yet, but I, I've i got the first draft and I think they're going to be chasing a fake Caravaggio sketch, but I'm not sure what Zara and Lily are completely going to find. Oh. So um, I don't have a title yet, but um I want to thank the person who made the comment and assure them that I felt incredibly welcomed there when I went. Yeah, they are Oklahoma. I've oh. heard of Texarkana. I haven't heard of <laughs> Oklahoma. I love that though. <laughs> well, I live up in the top tip of the Napa Valley and where they grow the wine that you like so much. And so it's a very different place, but it's very beautiful up here. And if you're ever up here, just come on by. Awesome. And I have went ahead and put your links to the press's website where they can get the direct link to the book and also your Facebook page, Claudia, so they can go and follow you to get those warm, homey feelings that we have gotten for this entire interview. And I want to thank you so much for being here tonight because I've had an absolute wonderful time talking with you, getting to know you and just sitting here on the porch having a drink of my water and did you have coffee or tea in your cup coffee it's my i <laughs> i'm a coffee girl <laughs> you know i i am too i am too but i'm having water now because i've had too much coffee today so i'm trying to wind down so i can at least sleep at some point tonight <laughs> so thank you so much for being here tonight claudia is there anything that we left out that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we get out before we head out for the night um only that um if you follow me on facebook follow me on claudia h long author and that i am i'd love to hear from my readers please drop me a line and let me know um if you have questions or I hope you're enjoying it and when the next book comes out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for being here. Um, join us because in 20 minutes we have another show coming on and we're going to be talking to you guys with Andrew Morell coming out of Canada. We're super stoked, but Claudia has been a great guest. We are going to be showing some more of her work very soon. Thank you again, Claudia. We will catch you later. Bye. Thank everybody. you so much. Bye-bye. It was a pleasure. Thanks.